Music certainly sets a mood, doesn't it? There's a mood in this room right now. <laughs> and the ironic thing about that mood is that as we get to the chapter 4 of Jonah, we've been walking through the book of Jonah and using music to tell the story. This ought to be a celebrative, happy moment in the, in the Bible, in the story of Jonah and in the, in the scriptures. This last chapter ought to read, and, and they lived happily ever after. Jonah had got it wrong and then got it right. He repented and he did what God asked him to do. He goes to the city of Nineveh and they turn from their wickedness and they, re, and they, and they put their trust in God, the God of, of, of the Israelites. And it ought to be a happy ending. Put a bow on that sucker and let's all go home. But it's not. It's a completely different feel. It's a story with a twist, and I don't know about you, but I like those kind of stories where a story just has a twist at the end. There's, there's been some great movies like that. We were talking about them in the break even, uh, but one from years ago was The Sixth Sense. Remember The Sixth Sense? And you're like, oh my gosh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. If, you, if that's a spoiler, it's old. I'm sorry. There's, there's a statue limitation on those. And so, uh, but you watch the whole thing, then there's the twist. You want to go back and rewatch the whole movie. It's a great twist. I see dead people, right? That's a famous line. And then uh, The Matrix. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's a twist. You know, he takes the pill and he wakes up in a different place and you're not in Kansas anymore. And that's like, what is going on? Blew my mind. That was cool. It's a story with a twist. Well, this story of Jonah, the actual life of this prophet Jonah and what God was doing has a twist. And, and there's a twist because there's a problem in Jonah's heart. That's how the twist occurs. And it's the same issue, problem in our hearts that we have to wrestle with like Jonah had to wrestle with. And it's simply this, that we think, Jonah thought, that we know what God is up to. We think we know what his end game is and his goals are. And we even think we know the path that he ought to take that is best for us in our lives. The thing about that is, is we only have bits and pieces of information. You and I just see a little bit. You and I have some things we know are true, or we know about God, or we know about life that's been revealed to us in His Word, but there's so much of other things that we just don't have the answer for. And so human nature is to take those things that we don't know, and we don't understand, and we don't get, and to fill in the blanks ourselves, make some assumptions. Now, it's dangerous to make assumptions. Uh, it's dangerous in relationships when you start making assumptions. Uh, you ever try to finish someone's sentences for them? Like you're really close with someone, so you start finishing each, each other's sentences? You, that's a common thing. It's really bad, though, when you start finishing them and you finish it the wrong way. You're like, oh, I thought you were going somewhere else. And you just opened a can of worms. Been there, done that. Uh, I made a split-second assumption um, years ago. Uh, my wife decorates our home. She loves putting stuff everywhere, uh, mirrors and lamps. And if you've been in my house, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but she, I don't even get to decorate my own dresser. She's got stuff on my dresser. And I was moving my dresser a while back, and there was a mirror and there was a lamp, and I shifted the wrong way, and they both started falling. And I had a choice. And I thought, the mirror looks fancy. I'll grab the mirror. And the lamp just shatters on the ground. Turns out, that lamp, the frosted glass shade on that lamp was an antique that her grandmother had given her. That was a really bad assumption. <laughs> they will get us in trouble. Guys, 
when you and I get confused about what God is up to in our lives, when, when we don't get it and we're wrestling internally with things that we just don't understand in our walk with God or things that have happened in life, it can be very dangerous to make assumptions about what God is doing. If that's where you are, if, you, if you've had something happen to you in the past and you just can't seem to make sense of that, or if you're going through something today and you're just wrestling internally like, I'm not sure why I have to go through what I'm going through, regardless of where it is, if that's you, I want you to press in today and see what God has to say to Jonah because it's the same message for us today. If you've got a friend, someone you know that's, that's really struggling in their faith and, and something's happening and they've checked out with God and they've checked out of church and, and they, they've written it all off because something happened, press in that you might be able to be a, be a help to them. So here's, here's where it all begins. Jonah chapter 4. This is where the twist happens. All this stuff had happened good. And then it says this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. The Ninevites coming to faith and repenting, all that seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, here's where he gets to. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah gets depressed. Jonah gets angry. Did anybody see that coming? The first time you heard the story of Jonah, or you, you heard it in Sunday school, or you read it, you thought, did, did anybody think, oh, Jonah's going to be ticked off now? I know I didn't. That was a curveball to me. He knew the character of God. He knew that God was loving and, and slow to, to bring his judgment and willing to forgive. And he says, that's why I didn't want to go in the first place. God, I knew what your nature was. I knew how good you are. But the reality is Jonah knew parts of the equation. He knew parts of the story, but he what, didn't see the big picture here. He didn't see it. So the Lord replied, and this is a key question for today. Is it right for you to be angry? That's what he asked Jonah. When you and I get to the place where that eternal conflict's click, kicking in and we're wrestling with what God's doing in our life, there, there comes a point where he can press in and ask us a question similar to this, is do you have the right to feel the way you feel? See, God, in that very question, he pierces past Jonah's obedience in doing what he asked him to do. And he gets right to the heart. He says, listen, I don't want you just to do what I asked you to do and still harbor bitterness towards me. I, I've got more for you than that. And so he questions him. Let me ask you, if you're angry, disappointed, or upset with God, if, if you're harboring bitterness, let me ask you, are you willing to at least give God a try and a listen to what he has to say to some sort of explanation of what is going on? Now, I had a friend uh, a few months back who, who was struggling in his faith, and, and I said, would you just do me this favor? Would you, would you just take 30 days, 10 minutes a day, to get quiet without distraction and just listen to God. And he did. And it helped. He was willing to listen. In that moment of conflict, he, he said, yes, I'll make space in my life for, for God to work. And when we do that, we might hear a question similar to, are, are, are you right to feel the way you feel? 
Now, there's three camps in this room, and, and we probably change camps from time to time. When God presses in, when, when we know we're harboring something in our heart, and, and God presses in on us, there's three responses, and we, we change camps. But one camp is to bow up. And you say, listen, God, I absolutely have the right to feel the way I feel. I have filled in the blanks correctly. I know exactly how you're supposed to work in my life. And if you'll just follow through on what I think is best, we'll be in better place. We laugh. But we do that, don't we? It, 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 we're totally close. We're honest, but we're totally closed off to the voice of God to press in that we might have some faulty assumptions. Second camp we can fall into is the camp where we back down. When, when we feel these internal conflicts with God and, and we, we voice them to God or even think them, then we feel bad that we even thought them or bad that we even prayed them. And so we shrink back without really wrestling with it and try to find some acceptance. We just say, I'm wrong, and, and, and God, I, I guess... I just need a total line. And while that's humble, it's not honest. It's not honest. Third camp we could fall into, instead of bowing up, instead of backing down, we can breathe in. Just take a deep breath and say, God, I feel the way I feel, and it's legitimate, and I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. I don't know why I had to go through that, but I also want to make space in my life to listen to you, and I'm not going to do either or. I'm going to do both, and I'm going to wrestle with my emotions. I'm going to wrestle with this conflict of my heart, and yet I want to come to you as best I can and listen and be open to what you have to say. It's not that the problem gets resolved in that moment, but your heart gets to the place where it might be resolved in the moment. Well, it's easy to see that Jonah bowed up, right? Jonah gets mad. Jonah gets depressed. He is ticked off at God for doing what he does. And, and I want to revisit the first week we did Jonah because there were several reasons we gave for why Jonah might have run. They're very similar to the reasons why Jonah would be mad now. Now, the first one, maybe this is what was motivating Jonah, is that he was mad that God had shown mercy to the Ninevites because God wanted to, he wanted them to be destroyed, that he hated the Ninevites. Now, I don't know about you, but when I went to Sunday school as a kid, that was sort of the explanation I got. I don't know about you, but he just hated the Ninevites. He wanted them to die. Now, if that's true, that makes Jonah a pretty yucky guy, right? That's, that's evil. I want to see all those people killed. I think there's a better explanation. Maybe perhaps the second explanation is that he was just prideful. And when Jonah went to preach to the Ninevites and he said, listen, you're going to die. God's going to send his judgment upon you. And then it doesn't happen that Jonah felt like a fool for proclaiming this message and it not coming to pass and that he wasn't evil. He was just selfish and prideful. Now that, That's a possibility. That could have been what happened. But I think there's a third explanation that's better. And it's this, that God, he wanted God to destroy the Assyrians, the Ninevite people, in jealousy for his people Israel. That if God would send judgment upon the Syrians, and listen, everyone would have heard about this big spectacular downfall of the Ninevites, then the people of Israel that he was called to as prophet would hear about this, this traumatic event, and they would turn from their wicked ways and turn back to God. See, the Israelites at this time, they were prosperous. They, they had affluence. Financially, they were in great place. Everything was going great, except they had forsaken the Lord their God, and they were serving other gods. And while they were financially uh, prosperous, they were spiritually bankrupt. 
And Jonah thought, man, if only God would get their attention by, by bringing judgment on the Ninevites, then maybe they would wake up and follow the Lord their God again. And that jealousy stirred in his heart, perhaps. That God would bring salvation to these people, but not to the people of Israel. We all wrestle with that too, don't we? Envy and jealousy. You know, envy, jealousy, you know what that is? It's denying the goodness of God in our own lives while resenting the goodness of God in someone else's life. That's where Jonah was. Forgetting that God had given countless times, countless prophets, countless chances for the people of Israel to follow God fully and completely. He had given them plenty of chances. But in this moment of an eternal conflict, Jonah doesn't see those chances. And he's mad. So you know what God does? God doesn't let him stay there. God, God presses in, and God, really the rest of this chapter, the rest of the book of Jonah, the rest of this message, we're going to look at how God goes to work to not let Jonah stay in that place, but to teach them and mold his heart into something. See, God will never settle. I don't care if we're talking about Jonah or me and you today. God will not settle for outward compliance and inward resistance. He won't settle for that in your life or mine. He's not going to let us just go through the motions while we harbor bitterness, while, we, while we, don't, we resist him in our hearts. God's moving Jonah to a place where he might be teachable, where he could breathe in and say, God, this is how I feel, but you're God and I'm not. God, this is how I feel, but I don't have the whole story. I just have part of the story. God, this is how I feel, but if you say something, I can trust it. I can trust it. So here's how God presses in. It says this, Jonah had gone out and sat, to a, sat down in a place east of the city, east of Nineveh. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Imagine yourself at Stone Mountain getting ready for the laser show. I mean, Jonah gets his blanket out. He's got his cooler. He's got his glow sticks. I mean, he's ready, baby. He's, I can't wait for this show. It's not going to be lasers. It's going to be hail dropping out of the sky. It's going to be fire and brimstone, baby. And maybe God will change his mind, and maybe God will just bring all kinds of judgment on these people. He's ready. That's not what happens. And he waits. And he waits. And then this is what happens. It says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. I love that sentence. He was very happy about a plant. <laughs> but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Has his heart changed? Not at all. You might be thinking, wait, so let me get this straight. God sent, and first of all, he grew this plant up, and he, and he provided shade for Jonah, and then the next day he destroys the plant, and, and Jonah's out in the sun again. Yes exactly what God did. You say, is God, is God picking on Jonah? Is, is he picking on him? No. No, he's making a point. 
And I don't know about you, but if God's going to make a point in my life, he gets personal. He gets personal with Jonah. And the reason he gets, he gets personal in our lives and he, and he gets right to the heart of the issue and he might grow a plant and take a plant away, the reason he might do those things in, his, in our lives is so that he might get personal with us. Because when we're, it gets personal, we get teachable. When it gets personal, it gets teachable. Man, we might, we might think, oh, it's terrible that people go hungry to, at bed at night. We should do something about that. And it's a fleeting thought, and it goes away. But when you and I or someone we love goes to bed hungry at night, it gets very teachable, doesn't it? When God gets personal with you and I, I want you to understand something. He's not picking on you. He's pruning you. He's making you better. And he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And he's not working against you. He's actually working for you. And he's working for your good. When God does these things, when he gives and he takes away, it is all for the purpose of God not allowing us to stay in the state of outward compliance and inward resistance. No, he wants to get to the heart of the matter that we might love him and rejoice on him and not harbor bitterness about things that have happened in our lives and circumstances we are in, but find satisfaction in God himself. Oh, thanks, man. Praise God. He wants that for every single one of us. He wants all of us. Now, Jonah wants to die. But God says to him, this might sound familiar, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Didn't we just hear that question? Is it right for you to be angry about Nineveh? And then he comes right back and he says, listen, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I love his answer. Jonah says, it is. <laughs> He's still bowed up, isn't he? Darn right I should be mad. <laughs> And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Digging his heels in. Maybe you're here this morning, you can relate to that. That you have felt like God has been against you, not for you. Maybe you feel like the circumstances in your life have been traumatic and hard, and you don't know why you had to go through what you went through. Or maybe you're going through it right now, and you say, man, I'm mad at God. And, and uh, God, I thought you would want the best for me, but I feel like you're giving me the worst. Or God, I thought you wanted to, for me to be happy, and yet I'm in circumstances that take my joy. See, when we say and think things like that, I don't think they're wrong, but you got to understand, when we say and think things like that, they're full of assumptions. Here's a few. We assume that we know what God wants for us. We assume that happiness is the goal for God's will in our lives. We assume that what is we assume what the best actually is, and we also assume that we know the best path to get to the best thing. See, Jonah knew some things. He just knew that God loved Israel more than he loved the Assyrians. Well, he's half right. God did love Israel. But he also loved the people of Nineveh. He only had half the story. And guys, when we harbor these assumptions, we only have half the story. If you're struggling 
or when you get to a place where you're struggling in your faith and there's bitterness creeping in and you're resenting God and the things he's throwing into your life, you've got to ask yourself the question, do I have the right to be angry? Maybe you can give space in your life to hear the voice of God saying, let me press in on that. Let me ask you the question, do you have the right? Are you basing that on assumptions that aren't true? Then God says this. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. He was very happy about the plant. You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals. God uses this whole plant, this whole worm thing to make a comparison. I'm going to be personal with you and I'm going to teach you something that you're not getting when we're talking about Nineveh. So let's just make it about you, Jonah. And I'm going to make this so personal you won't be able to miss the point. You think you know what's best for Nineveh and in this world and for the nation of Israel, but you don't even know what's best for yourself in this plant. You filled in a lot of blanks, Jonah. Even the cattle are more important than your precious plant. You're worried about the plant. You're worried about your sunburn. You're worried about these trivial matters. Yet there's something bigger going on here. And I want you to see it, Jonah. I've done something for these people that you need to get behind. I care about the people of Nineveh. I care about all people. There's nobody outside my reach. Every single person matters. And I need you to see that, Jonah. And he presses in. And he challenges the assumption. Something he's sure that he knew. God says, listen, you don't know what you think you know. When you and I feel that tension in our heart, man, what's, what's, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? Man, God, what did you do? Where are you? What's happening? When those moments come and it's pressing in, listen, God is challenging our assumptions in those moments. There's something he wants to get your attention on. And he will challenge your assumptions and my assumptions to make us receptive to something new, a new perspective, his perspective, a greater perspective, and understanding things more like him. And those assumptions, listen, when we harbor assumptions that aren't true, they get in the way of our growth with God. And he ruthlessly goes to work to point them out and root them out that we might go closer and grow closer to him. See, Jonah assumed he knew God's plan. And he not only assumed he knew God's plan, he assumed he knew every step along the way in the fulfillment of God's plan. I've had to learn that myself. How about you? I think I know what God's up to in my life. And I think I should know the path. And I, I'm going to assume, I'm going I'm to fill in the blanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just going to paint this out for God. And if he'll just get along with my agenda, then everything's going to be great. So here's something I know. I know God wants me to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple that loves him and worships him and lives my life for him. I know that's what he wants, not just for me, for every person in here, but the path that he takes me on to get there is not the path I would always choose. In fact, quite often it is not. 
Man, it is so much. I thought it would be sunshine and rainbows, baby. Butterflies along the path. That that's the path that God wants me on. Let me tell you something. That is not the path he's put me on. How about you? Man, when God wants to go to work in the, in the refining of, of our character, it is a bumpy, bumpy road, and it is full of distractions and forks in the road. It is full of obstacles to overcome, and yet that path that he puts us on is always good and for our good. The question is, do we trust them? Do we believe that to be true? Is he a trustworthy God when we don't understand what's going on, that we still resoundingly have faith? But man, I don't understand, and I don't know where this is going, but I know the God who does, and that's enough. That's enough. Man, I know 13 years ago, God called us, and those of you that have joined uh, crossroads, that we're here for a specific purpose. That is to make disciples in this community that all people might know the name of Jesus and worship him as their Savior and Lord and that we would see beautiful things happen and God recreate this community in something beautiful in his eyes. I know that's why we're here. But I don't know always the path to get there. And I've made a bunch of assumptions and I've been wrong a bunch of times on how we're supposed to get there. And so God, at least in my life, goes to work on wrecking those assumptions. And that's why, guys, that's why this book, when God gives us his word, it's so essential that we be in his word because when we're open to the input, when we finally give on upon our assumptions, then we're finally teachable and receptive to the word of God and the will of God for our lives. And when we get up and we, and we spend time with God and his word and he reveals things to us that we don't have no concept of and then he just hits us with it. I'm not making this up. This morning, I'm reading from the book of Judges. And look, that's not the most exciting book in the world. And out of left field, he showed me something about our student ministry, something in my heart about our student ministry. And it's going to change how we do student ministry here at Crossroads. I wasn't even looking for it. I had no concept of it. But I can't believe God just dropped it on me today. I've never, I'm not weird. I've never heard him in my ears but the voice of God in my heart. And that's what he wants to do with every single one of us is communicate his will, his plan, his purpose to us in a daily walk with God. Listen, I know the end goal, but it's so fun to wake up every morning and go, God, I don't know how you're going to get me there. I don't know how it's going to happen. And the adventure of following you today is fresh and alive and new, and it's going to be awesome to watch you do it. Right? And that's why we need small group. I have all kinds of assumptions, and I get in a small group with people, and I look at a passage or a truth with someone else, and I see it from a totally different angle, and I go, wow, I never saw it that way before. That's incredible. Man, I, and I'm just so thankful that in Christian godly community that we learn, and God tears down assumptions. And then when we hear the spoken word on the radio or we come here, we give 30 minutes on Sundays here at Crossroads to the preaching of God's word. Why? That we might be attentive to the voice of God and hear what he has to say to us. God uses all those to get right down into the heart issues 
the things we're struggling with, he wants to be a part of that conversation. The things we don't understand, he wants to be in the middle of that. The things we, we just causing us anxiety, the things that are keeping us up at night, the things that are discouraging us. God doesn't say, don't act like you don't have those emotions. He said, listen, I bring those to the table, but just trust me in the middle of the understanding and trying to figure it out. Let me just ask you this morning, where are you and I filling in the blanks? Where are you making assumptions? Where do you have outward compliance but inward resistance? Where is it that God's trying to go to work? He's gotten personal in your life, and he's trying, to, he's trying to make you teachable. Where are those pressure points in your life? Can you identify them today? And then give them to him. So we're going to sing a song here in just a second. But while we sing that song, I'm going to ask you to do something with it. If God's identified to you one of those places in your life, it may be a relationship, it may be an area of your life, it may be something that happened in your past, it could be something you're going through right now and you just can't seem to wrestle it to the ground, I want you to identify that. I'm going to ask you to take your Connect card or a piece of paper or anything you can write on and write that thing down and identify it before God. Say, God, this is the thing I'm struggling with. And then I'm going to ask you to do something else. Once you write that down, there's baskets in front of both of the crosses today, either side of the room. And while we sing this last song, if you'll just slip up, go over there and drop that in the basket and say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm giving it to you afresh. I'm going I'm to trust you. I'm going to trust. I'm going to leave this at the cross, believing that you're a God who is kind and gracious, loving and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and you love me. And even though I don't understand it, I'm going to trust you with it. That's faith. And then at the basket, there's a little verse here. It's going to be a reminder. I'm going to ask if you do that to take one of these. It's just a reminder. It says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's a declaration to say, man, I may not have it all figured out. I may have some plans, but ultimately it is God who decides the path. It is God who decides the end goal. And I can trust my God for the, not only the end game, but, the, but the, all the way through. God didn't just come that you might know him in heaven one day. He came to walk through this life with you every single day. Will you trust him to do so? By taking that, that's just a reminder. Put it somewhere that will remind you to trust in Him. Now, before we pray and then we do the song, it hit me as I was preparing this that there's, there's certain assumptions that keep people from knowing God altogether. There's assumptions that, that people make in conversations I've had. These assumptions that are like a barrier, and, and they can't seem to have a relationship with God because these assumptions are getting in the way. It's things like, God doesn't really love me. Or... I could never be good enough for God. Or I don't need His forgiveness. Or I'm not worthy of His forgiveness. Can I tell you something? The God of heaven stepped out of heaven and came to earth. It said, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ. Can I change one word in that verse? For God so loved you that he gave his only son. There is no question that God loves you and is crazy about you. The assumption that you're not lovable by God is crazy. Jesus Christ came proving that God loves you. You say, well, I'm never, I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. 
Listen, if that's what's keeping you from relationship with God, you've got to understand there's an assumption there that, it, that a relationship with God is based on our goodness. And that is a faulty assumption. It is not about our goodness and our righteousness. It is about a righteousness and a goodness that is given by faith to you from Jesus Christ. And that is why you and I need forgiveness, every single one of us. Because we could never attain righteousness in the eyes of a holy God on our own. But Jesus Christ came that he might give you his righteousness. And look, if you think, I've done something I'm not sure God can forgive. He's forgiven murderers, adulterers, and the whole lot. He's forgiven every single sin. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, it says the sin of the world, everything you and I have ever done wrong, everyone in the history of the world has ever done an offense to God was laid upon Jesus Christ, and God turned his back on his son, and it was judged, and it has been paid in full. There's nothing he can't forgive. Let's go to God in prayer. God, Thank you for being kind and gracious, for being willing to treat us better than our sins deserve. God, I pray you break down any false assumptions that is keeping anyone in this room from a loving relationship with you. You long for a relationship with them. In fact, you paid the ultimate price, laying down your life, that that relationship could start. Lord, would you convince anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you today that you love them? Convince them today, God, that they will never earn your favor and never earn your love, never earn your acceptance by what they do. God, convince them in this place right now that Jesus really did die and pay for all their sin, and Jesus really did rise from the dead, and he's willing to offer them eternal life today. If you're ready to say yes to a relationship with God, everybody's heads are down and eyes are closed. You say, I, I want to I know God today. I want a relationship with Him. Just slip your hand up. I'm gonna, I want to I wanna know God in a relationship today. And you pray with me. And say, God, I'm ready. I know I need you. I want to know what it feels like to be accepted and loved by my heavenly Father. And so I come in my brokenness and confess and admit that I've faulted and failed. That my sin weighs heavy upon me. But I believe that Jesus died in my place. And he rose from the dead to give me life. So I'm inviting you, Jesus, to forgive me, to lead me. I want to live for you. God, I want to pray for the assumptions that we're carrying around in us. Lord, that there's bitterness that can brew in our hearts if we don't wrestle these things in our heart to the ground. If we don't wrestle with the past, if we don't wrestle with what's happening today, if we don't, if we don't iron out the questions and the and uncertainties that we have in our life, if we can't seem to trust you, God, those will get in the way of walking on in fuller relationship with you, and we'll miss out. So, Lord, I pray for your people. I pray for all of us, God, that we'll identify what is it that's getting in the way. What is it that we're wrestling with? And we'll hand it over to you today. And we'll learn to trust you. 
trust that you know what's best, that your ways are perfect, that your ways are higher than our ways, and when we don't understand, there's still a God we can trust because he knows everything, and he loves us completely. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.